and welcome everyone. I am Caleb Flaggy and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. On this episode, we'll hear from Amy Meacham, founder of Extraordinary Joy. Extraordinary Joy is a nonprofit that funds research into an ultra-rare X chromosome disorder that affects Amy's daughter. The disorder is so rare that they've only identified 20 other children in seven different countries with the disorder. We'll talk about how the disorder impacts the lives of those who have it, what research is being done to treat it, and how the research could be used as a model to treat other ultra-rare disorders and diseases. Enjoy! Tell me about Extraordinary Joy. My husband, Tony, and I started the nonprofit in 2016 after getting our daughter's diagnosis and realizing it is so rare that no one else in the world is studying it. I am a scientist, so when I looked up the 76 genes my daughter is missing on her X chromosome, I knew that we had to find answers. Most rare diseases are caused by one single gene, these rare chromosome disorders usually involve many genes and are quite complex. So how exactly rare is this X chromosome disorder? I have found only about 20 other families in seven different countries, including um, those in Europe, South, South America, and United States. And even these 20 children that I found are quite different in their deletion. XQ27 and XQ28 describe specific regions of the X chromosome, which is packed full of important genes for neurological health and well-being. So what I have found is that there are more coordinates that are needed to help us find out exactly what genes are missing. XQ27 and XQ28 don't exactly tell the whole story. When I took the time to map out what every what the specific deletion every child has in XQ27 to XQ28, no one had identical deletions, and most were spread out over the hundreds of genes. But nevertheless, we started this support page so that we could have someone. Most of these parents have been told that their child was the only one with this deletion, which is true, but finding someone with a similar deletion even if it's different genes but in the same region, well, that means conversation, community, and understanding. You said you found 20 different families in seven different countries. How did you find all those people? So there are registries, and this is a great question because I, this is something that families need to know about. There are registries called Chromosome Disorder Outreach and Unique, which are databases for the United States and Europe um, I haven't been able to find any databases for Australia or Asia, um, even South America, although we do have one family in Uruguay. They have Families can register their child's deletion or gene duplications. Uh, they can register translocations, and these are all types of chromosome disorders, types of, um, of genetic mutations that no one's heard of until you put them in a database and then you find that there's a couple other families that have the same thing. The organization, Chromosome Disorder Outreach and Unique, will put families in touch with each other. And um, so we found maybe six families that way. And then when we started our website and our Facebook, a private Facebook page, then 
families were finding us. They were able to do searches and find, they'd put in maybe XQ27 deletion, XQ28 deletion, and they would find us. Um, even geneticists at hospitals were able to point um, new diagnosed uh, children to, to us so that they had a resource. So we found another 15 that way. You said you started a support page. Is that you know, like a web forum or like you said, the Facebook private group? Yes, so we have a Facebook private group um, where just the 21 families um, interact with each other and um, we're able to ask about um, the, some of the common things that are going on. And a lot of times we'll, they'll post a question like, hey, my child's having this issue. Anybody else have this experience? And sometimes it's crickets out there because there's only 20 families and they don't, they may not have those experiences, but a lot of times it's very similar and um, conditions like um, autism behavior and intellectual impairment, the sleep disorder, um, eating issues. A lot of them have um, food aversions or food um, like sensitivities. Um, a lot of them have um, uh, similar types of epilepsy or um, conditions that then the parents can ask about and we can talk about what medicines the kids are on and what we can um, for their seizures or um, certain things or what tr therapies they've tried like for um, occupational therapy for instance like how to get them to eat uh, how to get them, you know, to um, have less sensory uh, processing issues. So th that's a big resource is our uh, private Facebook page. But we also have uh, Extraordinary Joy has a Facebook page as well as a website. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter. And that way, really, um, we're, you can search us in Google. You can search XQ27 deletion and find us. And, and so we're hoping that people will be able to, to find our resources. You said that you took the time to map out the deletions. Uh, I understand that you're a scientist yourself. How has that background helped you when it comes to working on finding a treatment for this disorder? So mapping out the deletion um, has allowed me to see that there are so many, um, that the children are very unique, very diverse in the types of, um, in the, the, the area that is actually deleted. My daughter is missing 7.6 million bases of DNA. Um, some of the kids are missing 10 million bases of DNA. Some of them are missing less than a million bases of DNA. And just for context, is that a lot? It or? is a lot of DNA. Okay. So most, um, rare diseases are one gene, and one gene uh, is usually in, in the order of thousands of bases. Um, but we're talking about, for my daughter, it's 76 genes she's missing. Um, and those genes all cause different disorders themselves. So um, out of the 76 genes she's missing, Three of them are, have known um, diseases associated with them. And then several of them are, are um, may lead to other disease, diseases. They have been studied in the context of that, but you are more predisposed, let's say, 
um, to certain diseases. And then um, a lot of those genes, even 30 of those genes, have just been found in the last two years. So (laughs) when she was diagnosed, she was missing 46 genes and now she's missing 76 genes. And that's not, that hasn't changed, it's just that we've discovered more genes. So that's 30 genes that have not been studied. And so there's a lot that we don't know. And those genes a lot of times regulate other genes. And so without those regulatory genes, then you have things going on in the body um, that have been explained to us as toxic. You know, So her cells are overloaded with toxic proteins and so that often will kill the cell. So brain cells specifically have a harder time staying alive. These neurons that are constantly being produced in the average child um, can mature then for the, to a, an adult brain, right? And, but for these kids that have a deletion on the X chromosome, uh, they tend to have what's called like X-linked intellectual disability, XLID is, is is a known um, condition and it's when some genes on the X chromosome are missing or mutated then what happens is these neurons are not able to stay alive. This is common with a disorder called fragile X syndrome. Uh, That's one of the syndromes my daughter has um, as a result of missing the gene FMR1 and um, missing that gene causes fragile X syndrome, which is the most common genetic form of intellectual disability and autism. And so, and that also, it's because this, that FMR1 gene is, um, it's not doing what it needs to do because it's not there to do it. And so there's too much toxic proteins that are killing off the neurons. And so we want to we wanna find answers and want to find out um, beyond FMR1, which is the most studied of the genes she's missing, what else is going on? FM, Fragile X is one of the most um, studied of um, the conditions on, uh, in this region of the X chromosome, and yet um, it's been researched for decades and there is still no cure. There are is really no treatment. There are clinical trials, none of which my daughter would um, uh, qualify for. And so when we, when is I figured that because out, because she has more going on than just that one particular. Sure, a lot of it is because um, she has more going on than just the one gene deletion. But also, usually, fragile X is. Um, caused by silencing the gene and in my daughter's case it's because the gene's just not even there and that's one of the things when I read everything I could read about this and learn as much as I could in the early stages I realized that if they cure fragile x helping the gene turn back on that would never help my daughter because she doesn't have that gene to turn it back on and a lot of the research efforts are are working toward turning FMR1 back on, and that's the way they should be. That I believe they will cure fragile X one day um, by that method, but that will not help children like my daughter who don't have the gene to begin with to turn back on. So we have to figure out 
yes, how we can help her in context with Fragile X, but also what else is going on. Now, is there kind of a, a roadmap of what it would take to either cure it or provide a treatment for it? And it's just that the know-how to do it is not there yet? Or is it just completely unknown of how to even you know start to be able to treat that? Usually the doctors are, and specialists are not familiar with these kind of rare disorders that have these chromosome location and a number assigned to it. So XQ28, for example, they, they might read up a little bit when they when you go in to see them, they really are um, not educated on that particular these rare disorders. Um, there's just too many of them. They're too ultra rare to to be knowledgeable about all of these. What they can know about is some of the core symptoms and how to um, you know refer you to specialists that can help with the the underlying issues within the syndrome, but doctors, there's really no doctors familiar with um, these ultra-rare chromosome disorders. And even Fragile X clinics are very few and far between. So there's one in Miami, there's one in Emory um, in in Atlanta. So um, even, uh, I think there's 20 some in in the country just for Fragile X. So considering that this, you know, we have 20 kids in the world, <laughs> um, there's definitely not going to be any specialists. I'm probably the most <laughs> knowledgeable about XQ27 to XQ28 deletion um, out there. <laughs> You've touched on this quite a bit already, but how does the disorder affect the life of the person that has it? There are hundreds of genes that cause rare diseases Um just in XQ27 to 28. So these kids are all quite different. And I didn't know that when I started. And so um, I was reading up on everything that was possibly happening to my daughter and her missing genes um, when other families would contact me. And I would, I would realize, you know, that their deletion was a completely different set of genes, even though it was the same region, we were being told that we had the same deletion, it really wasn't the same, and they, they were very different. But similarly, these kids have um, a lot in common, um, starting from the early months of life. Um, some of them have failure to thrive because of eating um, issues, some of them go on feeding tubes. Um, have swallowing issues, a lot of oral um, deficiency um, and uh, muscle weakness. Some of them, um, most of them do not meet the developmental milestones. So the, they're given a diagnosis of global developmental delay. Um, oftentimes it's through um, not crawling, uh, not being able to verbally communicate or even make sounds, uh, maybe not making eye contact and having starting on a path of, you know, behaviors associated with autism and getting a diagnosis of autism first, usually. Um, the epilepsy and different forms of seizures um, throughout the child's um, development are typically seen. Some of them have surgeries 
almost immediately um, heart surgeries, brain surgeries, other kinds of organ anomalies. Um, for most in our group, it has been sinus and ears, and um, we believe it's it's due to connective tissue, um, you know, that t- kind of toxic buildup, and that they they all end up having not all but there's a large group um in our in our small group of families that have had um numerous surgeries for um their adenoids tonsils sinuses ears um, and then have a really hard time fighting infection and just have chronic infection um, on antibiotics a lot Um, so those we definitely have a lot of some commonalities in behavior and then also a a lot of unique conditions going on as well. As a parent of a child that's affected by this disorder, how has it impacted your life? Well, when we got the diagnosis, we didn't know if our child would live. And I really think that that is the case when anyone hears these, you know, you're given a diagnosis of a number um and and you're told there's no one else out there and you just don't know um if your child's gonna live you kind of go into survival mode and i guess that's what propelled me to start this foundation what drives me to help other families find answers and not feel alone and scared being told by your child specialist that you would need to become the expert because it is too complex for the doctors well that has had a profound impact on my life. With something this rare, how did you know the doctors even identify what the issue was? It was actually our daughter's physical therapist that alerted us and started us on a path for diagnosis. Um, we were so thankful to the occupational therapist, speech therapist, physical therapist that was working with our daughters from early months um, when she wasn't meeting milestones and we got involved with um, early steps, early intervention, um, it wasn't actually the doctors at all. It was, um, I think the doctors were maybe afraid to alert us that there was something more going on. It, It became frustrating for us later when we realized that there was something going on and we could have had answers sooner. We could have looked into things sooner and I think that a lot of families feel that way. Um, we encourage the doctors to, you know, um, go ahead, tell us what, you know, we heard a lot of times um, we should probably look into genetics testing or we should probably get a neurologist involved. But we would go months and months with no referral and no real answers and just thinking that it was that 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 must it must be normal then and she'll catch up or she'll grow out of that or whatever um but it was the physical therapist that basically wrote a book to our doctor saying why we needed referral to neurology and genetics and um and that that launched us into the right path um meanwhile <laughs> um my husband and I were just driven to find answers for our daughter's sleepless nights. She would wake up on um, what we thought was maybe pain or seizures. We didn't know. Um, she was constantly having infections. 
Um, and then, of course, there she had the de- developmental delays and not meeting the milestones like crawling and walking. She couldn't tolerate solid foods uh, or even make verbal sounds. So we were looking up these symptoms, and I just started reading everything I could, and I came across a syndrome that I thought she might have that was caused by a chromosome disorder. And so I reached out to the author of the publication. He's here in Gainesville, Florida. I actually saw him at a gas station, and um, I kind of jumped him and said, hey, I think my daughter might have this. And and he said, well, then I suppose you know to contact so-and-so and so-and-so. And and I didn't, and I was mentally taking notes. And as soon as I got to my computer, I, I looked that doctor up, and I, I emailed him, and I said, um, I think my daughter has this syndrome. And, and he said, I'd like to see her. And as soon as he saw her, um, he, he ordered genetic, genetic testing because he, he had seen so many cases of um, that kind of behavior that he could immediately um, say genetic testing is called for. And I, I hope that for more people because we were very blessed to have someone at that point that was um, um, not afraid to, to say, let's do a test. Um, and it, still at that point, um, we were very naive to what the outcome would be. Um, we had not, we had three biological boys that were just um, healthy and perfect, and we didn't have any kind of um, reason to, to ever look into these kind of syndromes. So, like I said, most families can go years without without a diagnosis and real genetic answers. So one of my passions is sharing information on genetic testing with parents. Like at our local special needs expo we have here in Gainesville, we pass out flyers and talk about um, genetic testing because oftentimes they'll have diagnoses like autism and global delays for their children, but not a clear genetic um, point in the direction that and I, I want folks to realize that rare chromosome disorders can be identified with genetic testing. And then there are those public registries where you can find other families with similar conditions. You can find your people. You can find your community. And that that's really important. Rare disease, rare disorders, they're hard enough. And we need each other. We have, um, you know, if you don't, if, if you get a diagnosis with a, uh, that no one's ever heard of, start a Facebook page, start a group. Um, Someone will find you. There are other people out there. Um, Even if you've been told for 10 years that your, your child's condition is, is unique. There, there are other people out there. Who is currently working on treatments for this disorder? Extraordinary Joy has funded seven scientific teams at the University of Florida to study XQ27 to XQ28 deletion in different ways from metabolomics to neurophysiology to altered pathways that can be targeted by treatments. We have given $130,000 to pathologists, neuroscientists, even chemists. This year we brought on board a pediatric researcher who even studies an XQ28 disorder and we're really excited about the kind of knowledge that she brings forth um, and she is expanding the research that, and to more kids with the disorder. Um, we're going to be able to um, really expand the research this year. So um, 
no one was studying this before Extraordinary Joy. Uh, there were a couple case reports, um, but that was about it. Um, there was, you know, basically case reports of, hey, these kids with this deletion have fragile X, have Hunter syndrome, um, and here's their symptoms. But then there was no follow up. Like, what happens down the road? Do they mature? Do these do these kids grow up? Do these kids die? What happens? So um, the case studies just kind of laid out, here's some issues. Um, we're taking it farther and actually studying the deletion in depth and how we can treat um, these conditions, find something that, um, you know, if you go to the doctor for this condition, they're not going to write any prescriptions. They're not going to understand um, what kind of drugs might work on uh, cognition or um, the behaviors without us doing more testing. And and I really feel like the only way any of us with rare disorders are going to get prescribed medicines aside from the medicines prescribed for um, maybe the anxiety or the ADHD or the epilepsy, the only way we can really get them some help with um, cognition um, and these behaviors would be to run the tests and run these, you know, study these cells in a lab, show which pathways are target, are we're able to target and put treatments on them in a dish and say, hey, it worked in a dish, let's try it on the patient. Because um, otherwise, I think doctors are going to be a little too nervous to, to and, and parents should be nervous. We, you know, parents don't want to, um, you know, have their kid as a guinea pig either. We don't want to just try, you know, these clinical trials that are available for fra- Fragile X are um, targeting one pathway and hoping that that works in these kids. But there's no real um, evidence to show that that pathway is dysfunctional in that child so we're we're wanting we're putting forth a a model that's studying this and basically giving a layout of here's the different drugs that would work on in this system and for this condition how can people help we would love community support financial support we're getting um, amazing out pouring in this community already. We have amazing sponsors like J.E. Decker Construction who give financially. They participate in our fundraising events. Um, We have a lot of great opportunities to partner with local businesses at our our big fundraising events. And it's really going to take these kind of fundraising events to do this kind of research and this kind of outreach because big organizations like and, and big funding agents uh, agencies like the NIH, they're just not going to fund something that um, may help a very tiny population. Um, and until we show um, how big of an impact we can make in the community of autism and epilepsy and intellectual disability with this type of research and how much we can um, hopefully develop 
a model for studying rare diseases and rare disorders with these large chromosome abnormalities, then we really can't write grant applications. Um, that's why we have to be the funding agency. We have to raise the money. We have to find these scientists and keep um, pursuing this. So fundraising efforts are, um, this is our going into our fifth year and um, we've raised 130,000 in four years, actually three years. Um, We haven't totaled this year because we still have our big masquerade ball coming up. But um, we are wrapping up our fourth year of fundraising and it's more important than ever that we keep growing because we're we are finding answers and we need to keep uh, um, broadening this work. Tell me about the fundraising events that Extraordinary Joy does. Extraordinary Joy, obviously we focus on joy. Um, We have two big events every year that um, we're gonna keep sticking with. They are super unique and fun for the community. Our fourth annual Masquerade Ball is coming up November 16th. And our fifth human foosball tournament will be held March 15th. This year's Moonlight Masquerade Ball will be such a magical night with great entertainment, um, food and drink, um, dance. It's a great excuse to get all dolled up, don a mask, even uh, bid on some unique auction items. There are still a few seats left, and we can definitely make room for company sponsorships as well. Our sponsor levels are so affordable. They're, they, they're not like other big organizations. Um, we, um, and we really appreciate our sponsors. And those kind of company uh, contributions make such a big impact and make such a ripple um, when one company, uh, Thomas Group Realty, they've been a sponsor for us for all, uh, since the beginning, uh, Campus USA Credit Union. Um, but when groups like that join our efforts, it they ripple, you know, and then someone else wants to join because, and so, you know, these companies coming alongside of us and saying, yeah, we'll, we'll pitch in $500 or $1,000 and play in your foosball tournament that just means so much and really helps create a bigger effect. So we definitely encourage the spring, 32 teams of local companies, school groups, church staff, families, they come out and compete in the largest human foosball tournament um, every year. Uh, we have such a blast, even Albert and Alberta come out, um, usually the Gator cheerleaders, um, and then we have a special parade with some of our local families with rare disorders and special needs, and it's really, like, it's so touching, but then you get really competitive and sweaty as well, and it's just super fun, and we have insurance agencies out there, we have banks out there, we have... um, plumbing companies and just everybody out there having a good time together there's school tennis and you know maybe like Gainesville High School had a um the lacrosse team come play and it they just um it's it's really neat all ages are out there um and then 
we just have something for everybody. Um, unique events, those are two big things. We raise about 50000 each year. We're hoping to grow that um, so we can grow our, our, um, our research impact. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, one thing I would love to tell you about is our local efforts to partner with organizations that are already doing some awesome work for local special needs community like Celebration Methodist uh, Church, they do respite nights, and Tim Tebow Foundation's Night to Shine Prom. Um, We also um, join up with Gigi's Playhouse for Down Syndrome Achievement Center. One of the things Extraordinary Joy wants to do is come alongside families that might otherwise fall through the cracks of understanding and community, those facing the solitude and trials of rare chromosome disorders those trying to make sense out of a complex genetics report, those trying to find resources and friendly activities, and those needing rest. And I'm included in all of that. (laughs) And, And that's why I know that's what we need. And after a few years of doing a lot of effort on research, now I know some of the local type of things that we need to be more involved in and that we are getting more involved in. So we, we launched what we call our Shine Society. We have undergrad club that volunteers with these efforts, and we have some um, adult adults that come and participate in these efforts, and we're definitely looking for any abled bodies and hearts that would like to volunteer in this capacity. If you did like a bottom-up approach and you're looking at you know, some of these ultra-rare diseases, which I feel like maybe have more complexity to them, do you think that could have this... Like, okay, so you, you, you solved, you know, this issue that only affects 20 people, but it was so complicated that you can apply things learned from that treatment to other stuff that is more widespread. That's exactly how we see it, Kale. Like, our group of scientists, we meet, you know, every couple months we sit in a room together and we talk about how what we're doing is, yes, it's it may affect... Um, the treatment plan for my daughter may affect the treatment plan for a handful of other kids that have similar conditions. But really what we're going after is, can we build a model to study any rare disorder and with any gene deletions, um, especially neurological and behavioral, right now psychological the ones that we can study with brain cells because that's to that's what we're focused on at this time but down the road we we are building where we can study the muscle cells the um maybe the heart cells the uh, liver cells of these disorders and really um find you know the immune cells that's a huge one that we could really make an impact um and that would have like you said across the board it wouldn't just be um because what happens is you know those genes may be missing um from my daughter in a very organized manner but someone that goes in with another condition may ne- never have been um, diagnosed with a certain genetic condition, but now is having issues that may stem from the same gene or pathway that is affecting my daughter, and we can find those answers through studying 
her cells. Um, but now we've, we see that they're affecting other people because through the same pathways and the same condition, same, similar conditions, but not a deletion necessarily. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Mm-hmm.